Hey, everybody. He's Michael. She's Kate. I'm Sonny. No, wait, that ain't it. He's the Don. She's Connie. I'm Tom Hagen. No, that ain't it either. This is The Godfather, the greatest movie of all time. This is Vikings Report with Drew and Ted. A fairly mediocre Vikings broadcast of all time. Drewster, how are you? <laughs> Can I be McCluskey? I want to be McCluskey. He's McCluskey. <laughs> nice picture. He needed that dinner like a hole in the head. <laughs> so many people have called that the greatest movie of all time, The Godfather. Would you agree? It's in the top five. I mean, it's the number one mob movie by far. I mean, Goodfellas would probably be second, but uh, it would probably be in top five all time. So you don't have Johnny Dangerously as your top mob movie of all time? Johnny Dangerously. Do you know your last name's an adverb? <laughs> His name's an adverb. Fucking bastages. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? Best of all time? It's right there. I don't know anybody our age who hasn't watched The Godfather at least what, half a dozen times minimum, if not more? What about all those other ones, the remakes and everything? You like those? Godfather 2 is pretty good. It's one, like one of the few sequels that lived up to the original. So many sequels are just terrible. I mean, like, Godfather 2 was a great sequel. Aliens was a great sequel. Yes. Uh, there are a couple others I'm sure I, I just can't think of off the top of my head. But but Godfather 3, can we just agree, much like Rocky 5, Godfather 3 never existed? Mr. Corleone is a man who insists on hearing bad news immediately. What's the one with Andy Garcia? I stopped watching it. Yeah, that's, that that's Godfather 3. Yeah, he's Sonny's illegitimate kid from, you know, when he was <laughs> when he was stooping the... When, yeah, it's a bride. The bride's yeah. Wow, wow, wow. You got to get me some uh, Fredo before we start. Go ahead, Ted. I'm smart, Mike. I'm smart. See, I can handle things. I can handle things. I'm smart. I'm smart, and I want respect. I'm smart, Mike. I'm smart. See? <laughs> All right. Ruby, how are you doing tonight? Hello. I'm doing okay. He says you have to take it easy, and he's going to give you a prescription. He'll be back tomorrow. Gotta wake up. Gotta wake up, bitch. Get up. Get up. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a rough week. But I'm happy with the way things are going so far and free agency and ready to get back to work. I'm happy too. We're going to talk about all that. If you didn't join us, we, we did a couple live shows last week. Go ahead and click the live tab at the top of our YouTube page. And it's got the two most recent shows there. We were on with our good buddy Christopher Gates from the Daily Norseman, breaking all that stuff down. We're just going to kind of recap and go over a couple other things. We've got our positional analysis coming up. Uh, we're doing interior offensive line tonight. We're going to do the centers and the guards. As you see, Ed White, yeah. Ed White, and Matt yeah. Burke. Matt Burke, yeah. I'd put Matt Burke number two center all time behind McTinglehoff. I would put Ed White probably the number two guard all time behind Randall McDaniel. But Ed White played in a different era. You had to be a grinder back then. That guy was tremendous inside. Offensive lineman. He won like the NFL strongman competition like three or four years, whatever it was. It was on ABC's like the superstars. Remember that show? Right. Ed White, the winner and arm wrestling champion of the National Football League. 
before we get to the show, Ruby's going to roll a little clip. We're going to tell you about a site we really like to hang out at. It's called Purple Pain Forms. We're the official show for Purple Pain Forms, if you will, purplepainforms.com. And we'll talk about our website, vikingsreport.com, which has our prize vault, our Zazzle page, and all that. So, Ruby, go ahead and play that, if you will. Before we get going, we want to tell you about a website that we are affiliated with. It's called Purple Pain Forms, purplepainforms.com. It's a great message board full of smart, intelligent, funny Vikings fans, specifically Vikings-focused, but there's plenty of off-topic subjects to talk about. The college football, the NFL draft, even stuff that has nothing to do with sports, if you're into that. We are the official podcast and, and YouTube program for Purple Pain Forms. They are our official website slash message board funky town and dan chat do a great job of moderating that board and keeping the topics lively and moving and everything else great place to go talk vikings football check it out when you get a chance the other place i want to talk to you about is our little humble corner of the internet vikingsreport.com on vikingsreport.com you get all our social media contacts for both twitter and facebook none of us are on instagram None of us are on TikTok because that's a commie spy program. Over on VikingsReport.com, you can check out our prize vault. We've also got merchandise from Zazzle.com. You can get a mug. You can get a travel mug. You can get a beer stein. So go over there when you get a chance to check those two websites out. All right. So Purple Pain Forums and VikingsReport.com. Two great places to hang out at, Dad. Much better than the restaurant that McCluskey got shot at. Anybody notice, Joint? Yeah, sure I do. <laughs> Much rather hang out at those two places. In Salazzo? <laughs> Before we get going, Drew, yeah? what time is it? I'm cooler than you are, so why don't you fix your little Cosa Nostra problem and light this candle? He's right. It's just business. Light this candle. <laughs> Sorry, I'm still trying to get used to this thing. <laughs> <laughs> Resume the countdown. That's what she said. All right, I'm cooler than you are. Why don't you fix your little problems and light this candle? He's right. Let's light this candle. He surely is. Light the candle. Yes. Resume the countdown. <laughs> Dude, you're going to end up like Tessio. Yeah. Speaking of Sal Tessio, Adam Thielen is kind of like the Sal Tessio of this story. He signed a three-year, $25 million deal with yeah. the Carolina Panthers. It just reminded me of the scene, you know, where Sally's walking out and everybody surrounds him. <laughs> and, he, and he looks at Tom. He's like, Tom, can you get me out of this for old time's sake? Not this time, Sally. Not this time, Sally. <laughs> it was just business. I always liked Mike. Tell Mike it was only business. I always liked him. Can you get me off the hook? For old time's sake. Can't do it, Sally. <laughs> yeah, so Thielen went on to greener pastures, so he thinks. said that he really believes that the signing of Andy Dalton made them competitors that they could win the Super Bowl. Carolina? I think your brain is going soft. From all that comedy you're playing with that young girl. Oh, what is he supposed to say, I guess? Yeah, just admit you took the money. That's fine. I, I don't care. What did he get? Three years, 25 million? Three years, 25. Yeah. Well, good for him. He scored his first touchdown against Carolina. He did. A special teams blocked punt. Scooped and scored. Pressure coming in. It's blocked right at the 30-yard line. The block by 
so that was kind of the most recent move in free agency. Other players the Vikings released and ended up signing elsewhere were cornerback Patrick Peterson, who went to the Steelers. Dalvin Tomlinson, who got paid and went to the Browns. Thielen, we just talked about. Eric Kendricks, who went to the Chargers. Cam Dantzler, who was waived and went to the Washington Commanders. They signed real quick. Josh Oliver, tight end. Defensive end, Marcus Davenport. Cornerback, Byron Murphy. Defensive lineman, Dan Lowry. And they re-signed players, Garrett Bradbury, Andrew DiPaola. Kicker, Greg Joseph. Running back, Alexander Madison. Of course, Harrison Smith did that restructure. It wasn't technically a re-signing, but if he didn't do that, they are going to cut him. Quarterback Nick Mullins, tight end Ben Ellison, linebacker Kenny Willekes, and then Ole Udo, and defensive end Jonathan Bullard. Drew, a lot of movement this offseason so far. A lot of in and out going on. (laughs) (laughs) Pow! Right in the face. Bing, you blow their brains all over your nice Ivy League suit. (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot of action going on in free agency, Ted. What's up? What grade would you give? the the Vikings free agency so far? I'm giving it an A. Are you really? Yeah, and I know that's probably going to anger some people, just like my center board in a little while is going to anger some people. I am happy with it, Ted, because it doesn't seem like we're overspending and we're getting quality guys. Davenport and and Murphy was the best corner on the Cardinals. Uh, He was. And they're getting guys with a lot of upside, a lot of potential. So I, I like what we're doing in free agency, and I like that everybody's freaking out about the tight end. KOC and Kwesi decided they need a blocking tight end. He's one of the best in the business, so I'm happy with that. I'm happy overall, Ted. How about you? I kind of question the tight end signing because I, when we did our, our segment on tight ends, I think we mentioned this on the live show, that it really didn't seem like the Vikings were in need of a tight end. I kind of thought their roster going into training camp was already set. They weren't even going to look at in the draft, but, um, you know, like. Uh, like the Don reprimanded Sonny, you never tell anybody outside the family what your business is. So they kind of played it close to the vest. And, you know, Josh Oliver is second best blocking tight end in football. And the speculation is they're going to go more to the 12 personnel package, which is a two tight end set, which they really didn't do a whole lot of last year because Irv Smith really never progressed the way they want. Then he got hurt. And then they didn't trade for TJ Hawkinson until right before the deadline. So they only had one really solid tight end option. So now, I don't know. Do you think that means they're going to get more two tight end sets this this year with the departure of Thielen? And I'm sure the Vikings will address it. It just hasn't been addressed yet in terms of replacing him at wide receiver. I think that's a really good possibility of having that different alignment set. I think they're also going to try to turn Oliver into a little bit more of a receiver. I mean, yeah. he was a good receiver at San Jose State, but he's mainly been noted as a blocker. I think you're going to be surprised. He may get some throws this year, and I think they're going to work on him to become more of a receiver. Because Hawkins is going to be all over the place. But I like that pickup. People look at it right off the bat. Why do we need a tight end? Well, look at the situation. Those guys know a lot more than we do about the development scheme of this team. And they must really think that he is a great blocker and can be a good receiver if they work on it. When the Vikings started the offseason, they were like something like $25 million over the cap. The numbers are still flexible, and there's kind of – parsing of words if you will like they have agreed to terms with players but they haven't technically signed them which means they still have to make moves to stay under the cap to sign a player because once the league year starts you can't go over the cap but you go back to those contracts that Odolfo Mensa the Vikings GM has done I'd like to talk about that a little bit more because it seems to be a pretty distinct departure from the way Rick Spielman was handling contracts for free agents and second and even third contracts for guys Thank God. How do you do that? 
My father made him an offer he couldn't refuse. I think that's going to give the Vikings a lot more flexibility. They're going to pay the guys. They're going to get their money. But it's also a way of, I think, keeping the salary cap healthy and giving the Vikings an ability to do things sure. in future years without sacrificing a whole bunch of dead cap space after they get rid of these guys. You know what I mean? Leave the gun. Take the cannoli. Oh, absolutely, Ted. The thing about Mensa, economics are his thing. This team isn't going to have salary cap graveyard anymore. It's not going to happen again. And the one thing, Harrison Smith, I'm not sure if we talked about that on the live show, if that had happened yet, but Harrison Smith took a pretty significant pay cut. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. Smith reminds me of Luca Brasi, the utterly loyal Don Corleone soldier. May your first child, grandchild, be a masculine child. I pledge my ever-ending loyalty. Luca's the best, man. I was bummed when Bratzi got knocked off. Harrison Smith is going to sleep with the fishes next year. This is last year with the Vikings. I love it that Smith came back. Of all the vets that we talked about in the offseason about being potentially cap casualties, Kendricks, Thielen, Dalvin Cook's status is still kind of up in the air. Is he going to get traded? Whatever. And Harrison Smith. Smith was the one guy... I was okay with bringing back because I think he'll be very good in the Brian Flores defense. Absolutely. And you know what I like about him? He's a high-character guy. Great teammate. Gives it his all. He'll play when he's a little bit injured. He's been a great player for us. They need his leadership in the secondary. So looking around the division. Yeah. You know, the Bears and the Lions are getting a lot of press. Ryan Pohl signed a lot of big-time free agents, spent a lot of money. The Lions have made some really good signings, and they had a really strong finish to the end of last season. I, I think when most preseason predictions start coming out, I, I think they're going to be America's darling to win the NFC North. What have I ever done to make you treat me so disrespectful? Packers are in all, all the headlines because they're trading Aaron Rodgers to the Jets. You know what? I don't track any Aaron Rodgers attention whore stuff anymore. That's all he is. When you look at some free agency reviews for the Vikings, I saw one guy over on CBS Sports gave them a D plus. D plus? Oh my God. I pass. You know what? There's a bunch of people on all these websites and all these podcasts. All they look at is the name. Yeah. Yeah. If it's not the top guy in every position, oh, it's a failure. That's ridiculous. So where do you think the Vikings sit? You know, obviously 13-4 and four last year won the division. They've lost guys like Patrick Peterson, Dalvin Tomlinson, Eric Kendricks, big parts of their defense, but their defense was ranked 31st last year. Right. They replaced them with Marcus Davenport, Byron Murphy, and Dan Lowry, defensive linemen from the Packers. Do you think the Vikings are still going to be a division favorite and a team good enough to win the division next year as it stands right now? I think they're good enough to win the division, Ted, but I think it feels like there's a little bit of a step back going on preparing for 2024 and beyond. If we can get through this next year, I think we're going to be competitive to win the NFC North, but 24, 25, and 26, the Vikings are going to be right in the elite group with Buffalo and with Cincinnati and with you know, whoever else we want to throw in there, Kansas City. They're going to be up there because that's when we're really going to turn the corner from Spielman. We're going to turn the corner with personnel, the roster. After the season, I did Chris Gates said, I expect to step back. 
And I kind of agreed with him there because the Vikings caught lightning in a bottle for like 12 games. I mean, <laughs> I think they did, yeah, in some respects, sure. So I think it might be a step back, but not back far enough where they're not contenders for the NFC North. The scary thing about the Lions is they finally figured out how to win some games. Yeah. So Late in the year they did, yeah. You know, they're going to be good, but I think it's a, a dogfight between those two. That's what I think. I think a lot still hinges on the draft, and I think the Vikings may be at a disadvantage there. As it stands today, they don't have a lot of picks. Right. The Bears traded the number one overall pick with Carolina, and they got DJ Moore as part of the, the package, which is going to make them better on paper offensively, but Justin Fields is still throwing the ball, so who knows? <laughs> Guys like yeah. the nuke, the nuke Lelouch of NFL quarterbacks. DJ Moore is probably smoking weed right now thinking, what the hell am I going to do? The North is turning into the premier division, Ted. I think the Vikings may have a worse record, but they might be a better overall team. I really like Brian Flores. I like the guys he's bringing in on defense so far. I'm excited for the draft. The defense, I think, is going to be better simply for the fact they can't be much worse. But now you have an aggressive defensive coordinator. It feels like he's getting players on that side of the ball that he likes his athletic profile. Let's just see what he can do with it. I'm going to give him more than a fair shot. I am really happy with how Mentz has handled this thing since he got here, Ted. These guys have stuck to their plan, Ted. You can see a clear plan and strategy in terms of clearing the cap, the type of players he's targeting in free agency, and the guys he drafted last year. It's coherent, it's clear, and it's a lot more than just, well, let's just sign these guys and try and run it back until the wheels fall off. Yeah, everything that we've talked about the last two months since the season ended or whatever, you know, you got to get rid of Donna Shell. He got uh, the Tessio treatment. He ended up like Salazzo. <laughs> <laughs> and then the people we thought, the personnel on the roster we thought was going to get changed over. It's gone along the way we thought it would pretty much. They still need to get better on the offensive line. They got holes, dude. They got a lot of holes. I'm not going to say it. They do have a lot of gaps to fill. I just did it. <laughs> I don't know how to say it. They got work to do. In my house, where my children sleep. In my home, in my bedroom, where my wife sleeps. Where my children come and play with their toys. <laughs> All right. Oh, very good. Man. I love talking football with you, but you know what's better is that Hoodie or whatever you're wearing, that is ideal, man. Oh, it's just a regular sweatshirt. No hoodie, just a regular sweatshirt. Oh, I want one of those. Send me one of those right away. Uh, send Drew sweatshirt. Okay. That pretty much does it. Gets us up to date on the Vikings news. There's some rumors percolating about some players and some trades. Zadarius Smith is still out there. Kind of a, a thing came up today that the Vikings are looking to possibly trade Daniel Hunter. And Hardman, the wide receiver from Kansas City. Uh, Hardman, the wide receiver from Kansas City, possibly rumored to be a guy they're going after. And then the one that may actually have some legs, and I don't even want to mention it. Don't do that. His name rhymes with Shmamar Baxson. <laughs> Darren Wilson said, yeah, the Vikings may be looking to do a move to create a bunch of cap space. I don't know if it has anything to do with Lamar Jackson. He was asked a question specifically about Lamar Jackson on Twitter. And he never said, yes, that's what they're doing. He said, I just got a text that said it looks like the Vikings are trying to clear up a significant amount of cap space, which could mean a lot of things, you know, trade, whatever. So uh, we'll see. How do you get Lamar Jackson without crippling the future of this team? I'll make him an offer he can't refuse. He's scary now. It's scary to give a guy like that a contract now when he can't finish a season. His passing is still inaccurate. Seems like he's going down. We'll see what happens. 
That's pretty much everything for Vikings news right now. We're going to take a quick break. Then we're going to come back, and my grandson Gabriel is going to introduce our world-famous yet regionally popular positional analysis segment. Wait, Ted. We're also getting J.T. Treader. Gentlemen, it is time for the Vikings report with Drew and my papa. Positional analysis. Hit it, papa. JC Treader, right after we signed Garrett Bradbury. Makes perfect sense. Perfect sense. <laughs> perfect sense. All right. Thank you, Gabriel. We're back with our positional analysis segment. Like I said at the beginning of the show, we're going to do the interior offensive line, which means, of course, centers and guards. Drew, we're going to start with centers first. Is that okay with you? I'd rather start with guards, Ted. Okay. We're, like I said, we're going to start with guards first. Drew, is that okay with you? Never go against the family, Ted. I love you. But don't ever take sides with anyone against the family again. <laughs> ever. <laughs> ever. Okay. Let's start with guards. All right. So, currently on the roster, Vikings have last year's starters, Ezra Cleveland and Ingram. Chris Reed was their primary backup. He's still on the roster. When you look at free agents, and we, we talked about the guys, Quasi Adolfo Mensa has been signing in free agency so far. They're young guys, 25, 26 years old, with a fairly high draft pedigree that either haven't lived up to their potential or were kind of dealing with injuries. And if you think the Vikings are still looking at offensive line and free agency, I would argue probably the only two guys, at least in the guard position, that I saw that I think would fit that profile would either be Dalton Risner or Max Sharping. What about you? Yeah. The two guys I had written down. Sharping, I think he got re-signed by the Bengals, though. But uh, Reiser's a tremendous player. You can play him out at tackle or guard. Both those guys would be welcome. But I like the starters the Vikings have. I am a little bit opposite of what people think of Ingram. The people that are ripping on Ingram are the guys who are giving the D-plus that don't follow football at all. Because when you start as a rookie on the interior of the line, unless you're Randall McDaniel or Ed White, that is a tough thing to do. You ask our buddy Dave Stefano, who studies the offensive line pretty closely, all the round bellies, as he calls them, and Dave will tell you it takes two or three years to round yourself in at guard to become a really solid starter. And he got thrown in there his first season. So I'm expecting big things from Ingram, and a lot of people are going to eat their words. He is going to be a great right guard this year, and I think people should mellow out and rip it on Ingram. And I think one of the reasons – I would argue they brought Garrett Bradbury back is because continuity on the offensive line is a really important thing. Bradbury missed a handful of games at the end of last year, came back for the playoff game. But for most of the season, you had the same guys starting all year. And I think right when Bradbury got hurt, I thought the Vikings in Cleveland and Bradbury and Ingram were were kind of starting to feel it. Ingram felt like he was getting better. And then 
he got hurt a little bit, and then they had to bring in Austin Schlotman, and that was sort of a new learning process. And then Brian O'Neill got hurt, and Blake Brandle had to play. I think bringing Bradbury back will allow Ingram's development to progress at a faster rate just based on how much time they worked together last year. And I think that's going to be good for both players, to be honest. Well said. That's perfect. This is a very pedestrian, dare I say, non-robust guard group that all these guys are developmental. And the only thing saving the guard group this year is, we'll start by me saying Cody Mock and Broderick Jones, who I had on my tackle board. Remember we explained all that tackle board, but they're going to be playing guard. I think both those guys might be the first two guys on my list of guards. I think they're going to play on the inside, especially Broderick Jones. So he could go in the first round. He'll transition to guard and be a tremendous guard, I think, along with Cody Mock. You take Cody Mock from North Dakota State, you put him on the interior rather than tackle, you're going to mash people. So those guys need to be mentioned along with this group because this year I followed what they played in college and then put them on my board that way. There's a couple guys that really stand out, but overall, mostly getting guys and developing them. And some of these guys in this list will probably be undrafted free agents. I don't think I'm going to get a lot of guys. This is my list maybe to get drafted. I'm not sure, but I was looking at your list when you sent it over to me and you know, normally you've got everybody at least so far in skill position. You've got guys other than I think tight end guys. You think are all 15 guys are going to get drafted. Sure. Your guard list after like maybe Chandler Zavala, uh, the dude out of North Carolina State, it feels like from Braden Daniels on down, you've got Daniels and Bainavalu for Washington as fifth or sixth round guys. With the way guards are not as valued as the center or the tackle, they just like just a guy position anymore, almost like running back. Does it feel to you like those guys from Daniels on down could all go undrafted, or do you think more than one of those guys will get picked? Caleb Chandler definitely going to get drafted. And uh, my buddy, City Sal, he's probably going to get drafted. The guys that need development are very talented. It's just, if you're looking for a starting guard, this isn't the draft to do it. But the Vikings aren't looking for a starter. So maybe they can grab one of these guys and work with them a little bit. Torrance is a tremendous player. If Osiris Torrance at Florida would have been a tackle at Florida, he'd be a top five player in this league. I think so, really. In the draft, yeah. Like? At least top eight or something. But he played guard, and of course, you know, the value goes down a little bit. But, you know, 48 games, 3,000 snaps, zero quarterback sacks allowed. Think he'll sneak into the first round? He could, Ted. You know, last year we had three guards in the first round, which is unheard of. You never have more, usually more than one. I like Voorhees. He was my favorite guy to research from USC, okay. the 6'6", 325. He's right built, right in the mold of a premier guard, Ted. He does everything good. Voorhees is interesting because with the injury, with the knee injury, he's going to drop. But how far is he going to drop? He's a swing tackle and pinch. You can have him play out at tackle. If he kept dropping, I would think about him in the fourth round or something. Wasn't Voorhees the kid that wrecked his knee at the combine and still yes. did the press, the bench press with the hurt knee? That says a lot to me about a guy. I mean, like you're hurt, but you still want to keep going to the maximum extent possible. That's the extra stuff you look for in a player. Yeah. And that's a high-character guy that the Vikings have been trying to bring in lately. One thing I like about him a lot is we always look at movement and how they are in space and run blocking. And then they get run over like Bradbury in the pass game. Voorhees has a tremendous anchor in the pass protection area. Okay. And I love that about him because a lot of times guys are good in the run game, guards, but they can't move their feet enough to get back in pass coverage and the bull rush kills them. But I'd still draft him early, even though he's got the knee injury. But I have a Viking watch on a few guys. Who you got? Braden Daniels, Utah. They love the versatility of Daniels, dude. He plays center, 
and guard. He still needs some development, but he's very versatile, Ted. Daniels played double-digit starts at left tackle, right tackle, and left guard for Utah. For the Utah Utes, Ted. It's the Utes. The Utes. But he's still got mobility. He's a very fluid player. Got to work on his strength a little bit. A lot of these guys, when I was researching, the top five all had strength problems and conditioning problems. There's a lot of development that needs to be made with the conditioning and, and that sort of thing, along with the technique. So which one of these guys has the lowest center of gravity, and which one of these guys has the most sand in their pants? We're talking sand in their pants. What about oily <laughs> hips? You want to know about oily hips and twitch? I don't, actually. Who's your other Vikings guys? Caleb Chandler, Ted. I got him as a B pass blocker and a C run blocker. What do you got him so far down? He does struggle with the bull rush. Mm. And that scares me with guards that get run over. Well, well, why, why would that scare you? Because we haven't seen that problem from Vikings guards or centers for, <laughs> for several years now. <laughs> Sorry. Maybe that's why it stands out so much to me when I research the guy. Like the first thing I look at, can they have an anchor? Can they hold up and pass blocking or just get run over? This guy builds his strength, lower body, upper body. He's got huge potential in the draft. The first thing that jumps out to you about Caleb Chandler, Ted, is the amount of experience the guy has 55 games at louisville wow 3283 snaps all at left guard so he's like a pure left guard so he'd have to be a redshirt senior then yeah unless you go to minnesota golden gophers they play eight years for player yeah so and like tanner morgan quarterback for the gophers i just saw a thing he's going to transfer his 401k <laughs> from the university of minnesota to the nfl when he leaves he's been there so long john michael schmidt is 24 they all do it there. They all get extra time. Uh, my last guy for the Vikings watch is somebody I really like. Not so good at pass protection. He needs work. He played tackle at Oregon State, but he's played his last year. He played at guard. He is versatile as hell. His name is Brandon Kipper. Not to be confused with Yom. I say Brandon Yom Kippur? No. Is it Kippur or Kipper? Uh, sure. Doesn't matter. His first season was a left tackle. The final three seasons at Oregon State, he played a right tackle. Last year was really his only first year at guard, but he's not a tackle. He gave up way too many sacks at tackle before they switched him to guard this year, and I think it was a smart thing to do, getting him into the draft as a guard. Okay. So he has to transition a little bit like that, but you can. it's easier to transition from tackle to guard than guard to tackle. Most guys don't have the feet to play tackle. Like Mock. Cody Mock can play tackle, but he doesn't have good footwork, so he's going to be a much better guard. Okay. Really athletic guy, Kipper. Can pull, has great range, can get out in space. He looks like a confident player. I like guys who play with confidence and play a little bit after the whistle. I graded him as a D pass protector and a B run blocker. Those are my grades on him. All righty. I think there's a lot to work with, Brandon Kipper. All right. So then let's move on to the center position. The old centers, Ted. Yeah. Everybody freak out. Go ahead. <laughs> So on the roster, the Minnesota Vikings have Garrett Bradbury and Austin Schlotman, the two guys they had last year. In free agency, ironically, those were the two guys they signed because they were both unrestricted free agents, and that's who the Vikings chose to bring back. I didn't even bother looking at the remaining free agents because the Vikings aren't going to sign anything. But a lot of people were not happy with Bradbury re-signing. It was like three years, $15.75 and they think, you know, with the way the contract's structured, I think the Vikings could get out from under it in a year. So that would mean they very well could be looking at center in this draft. Do you agree with that? Or do you think they're going to stick with Bradbury? First of all, 
I'm about 30% on the, the, the get a guy late. More likely next year. Center class is better than the guard class, at least. They could be taking one, but it's going to be really late, Ted. And probably more like an undrafted free agent be in the market. I don't know if they have the draft pick to spend on a center or a guard. Well, so let's go ahead and put your center board up, and you'll see at the very beginning, I had nothing to do with this list, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Drew Bunning list. All you Minnesota Gopher fans irritated the John Michael Schmitz, John Jacob Jiggleheimer Schmitz. His name is? My name, too. (laughs) There you go. Is not your number one center overall. Ohio State center Luke Whippler is. Why don't you start there, and we'll go down, and there's a guy that I know you want to talk about because I want to talk about him too, down down the list a little bit. The centers were really intriguing. Great to research this year because there is a lot of talent there and there's a lot of guys that very versatile. I just think, okay, Whippler and Schmitz, Ted, it's 1A and 1.1A. Schmitz will probably go first because I see that's how most people see it, but they're both very worthy of being the top player on my list. I just think Whippler is a better pass blocker, Dad. I, I broke it down and looked at it. I think he looks smoother in the back pedal. He has a better anchor. He plays very well in space. He seems like a very confident technician leader of the offensive line. He's going to be a guy that comes in and takes over whatever team he's on. He's going to take over the offensive line. Like I said, he's a great pass blocker. He doesn't really do a lot of things wrong. I mean, he played for Ohio State, so you tell me. Good player. The Buckeyes' offensive line was really good, and that's reinforced by the fact they've got, I think, four offensive linemen that can be going in the first three rounds. Schmitz, a lot of press I've seen about Schmitz is that he's going to go in the first round. You have him as a second-round guy. Why is that? Just because centers, the position overall is going to get knocked as, as other teams go on a run at other positions or what? Him and Whippler could be late first, early second. I wrote second because I think there's a lot of other positions that are of value in this draft. It could happen easily, but, you know, it happened with Linderbaum. I don't think there's a Linderbaum in this draft, but uh, he, he certainly could. He could go in the first round. He could go 20. We don't know. But uh, Schmitz will be the first off the board, even though he's not. He's not my top center, Ted, but he's right there. Like I said, you could make either one. You get Whippler, you get three extra years. He's 21. John Michael Schmitz is 24, so there's something to be said with that. Whippler's this good at 21. What's he going to be when he's 24? I see more dynamic plays from Whippler than I do Schmitz. You know what you should have done just to be that guy is you should have put your Michigan guy second and then Schmitz third. <laughs> yeah, Ohio State, Michigan, and then Schmitz. That would have just been funny to me. I would have laughed. I wouldn't have questioned it. I'd have been fine with it. Can you hear the hatred coming through? <laughs> I'm already going to catch crap for this. What are you thinking about, Drew? You know what? They're both very good players. Yeah. And uh, they're going to go one and two, I do believe. Everybody else is pretty slotted where I think they're going to go. There's going to be a run on them, Ted. There's only been 23 drafted centers in the last 700 picks, 700 plus picks. In the last three seasons, there's only been 23 centers taken. Wow. That's not a lot. Guess how many were taken last year? Four or five. Six. Oh, that's close. Six centers. So going down the list, you've got four guys going in the top three rounds. I noticed at number nine, you've got a friend of ours, Brad Cecil. I do have Brad Cecil on there. He's got what you talked about a couple of minutes ago, playing hurt. That guy is all heart on the field. Yeah. And he plays for a team that doesn't really have a good offensive line. And he's picking up a lot of pieces from the guards. A lot of people don't watch South Florida. We watch. Ruby and I, and you watch because he's been on our show. He's a friend of ours. Mm-hmm. But you got to look really at, in depth on his tape to see what he's good at. The job he has to do there. I mean, it's really difficult. He has to 
not only worry about the nose tackles and the defensive tackles, he's got to help on guys coming off the edge. He's a very active center, and he has a lot of heart. He has a lot of grit. He has a lot of toughness, and he moves really well. So, yeah, Brad Cecil's right there. That's no joke. We interviewed Brad last year. You can find it on our main page. You got any Vikings guys like mid-later rounds or even early rounds? You don't you don't think the Vikings will get a guy in the early rounds. You think middle-late rounds, though. You know, I really like is Stromberg, but he won't be there. The Arkansas guy, mm-hmm. dude, four-year starter, and he's played in the SEC, which is where you want to play if you want to really shine. The Vikings' next center, if they want to invest in this, is Brett Nealon from USC. Teams want to play a premium game with center and a guy to develop. This is the guy to do it. He's so athletic. The thing you like about him on tape when you start watching and it makes you rewatch is the amount of times, Ted, that he helps his teammates. Sometimes the center goes back in pass coverage. He doesn't have a guy to block. He's always looking to help the tackle or the guard next to him. And even if he is blocking, I've seen him block two people at once. He's very concerned about the rest of his offensive line. That's a good sign. He's great at picking up the blitz, decent power, very mobile guy. He's got to get stronger, and he's got to stop lunging. A lot of his highlights are him lunging to get out of position. He needs work, Ted. He needs work at the professional level. And if he get, he is going to turn out to be a great guard because he's got the right attitude to do it. He's okay. the guy I said last week, I think I found our future center, Brett Nealon, USC, 6'2", 295. That guy can play. All righty. That's your interior offensive line, guards and centers. Next week we're moving to the defensive line, I believe. Yeah, offense is finished. We're moving to defensive tackle next week, Ted. Nice. Looking forward to that. Once again, dude, that was an awesome segment. I love the information you bring to that. We're not doing trivia tonight, so that, folks, I think will pretty much wrap episode 94 up. Again, thanks so much for subscribing. Thanks so much for liking. Thanks so much for watching. We'll be back next week. We'll try to do better the next time. Buddy, take us home. It's football. It's fun. It's Vikings reports, but I want to give a shout-out to our fan base who tuned into all the shows because you guys rock. That's about all I got for tonight, Ted. We will move to episode 95 next week. We're closing in on 100, mate. Special little day. Yeah. And we will see you next week. Say goodnight to the folks, Ted. Good night, Ted. <laughs> it's not personal. It's just business. <laughs> yeah! Causeway. <laughs>